0: Well, thank you to Amir Lighty for joining us on episode 100. Eddie Kalegi and Tim Moore back here. And uh, two quick things. Want to talk a little NASCAR and then, of course, celebrate the fact that we're at 100 episodes Uh, first shout out Daniel Suarez getting the win at Sonoma raceway. That was a fun race. I'm a big Chris Buescher fan loved seeing him in the mix. You know, Harvick Brad Keselowski had a couple of their best days of the season. So really a topsy turvy race. We saw Kyle Larson try to use that same fuel strategy he used last year with staying out on the stages and ended up not helping him chase Elliott's pit crew and some other things just were a disaster for him. And in the end, We saw some underdogs up there and Suarez, who I think between he and Tyler Reddick were the two most talented drivers in the Cup Series who were still looking for their first career win. And, you know, what a career arc for Daniel Suarez. Just two years ago, DNQing from the Daytona 500 with Gaunt Brothers Racing. And just two years later now, going to be heading to the NASCAR playoffs, driving for Trackhouse Racing, which is a team that has three wins this season, tied with Joe Gibbs Racing for the second most for any organization so far this season. So big time shout out to that team and Daniel Suarez. And uh, now that Fox is done with their coverage, it's a week off Then NBC takes over, you know, it's sort of, you kind of think of this as the halfway point of the season, even though it's not technically, but it really is the halfway point in the season. At this point, Tim, um, looking at the second half, what are some expectations that you have moving forwards, especially these last 10 races of the regular season with some big names like Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., Tyler Reddick, still unsure if they're going to be making the playoffs or not, want to win a race, but you've got some road courses, some other wild card tracks over this summer stretch.
1: Well, first, I'll start off with this because the pace of last race, in my opinion, Eddie, um, really now is starting to give us a little bit of a clear picture of what we should see at least throughout a little bit more of the regular season in regards to a couple more races we're going to see. Uh, of course, obviously, we got to see COTA and, and now Sonoma as our first two road courses. And I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the race. I enjoy the older form of Sonoma. I shouldn't say it's the oldest, but the older form of Sonoma that they've gone back to before the carousel version. And I genuinely like it a lot. Now, I do want to say this. I I do have one concerning factor. Um, Not to be a a Debbie Downer on it, but these next-gen cars have so much grip with their body style, the independent suspension and so on in regards to how it's changed. Um, The one thing I don't like, and I really just don't like, is the fact that there's only passing opportunities in the incredibly slow corners. And I'm talking about the high to slow speed transitions. Think about it in Dakota. Where were you making passes? It was, it, it was basically in the 90 degree turns or where you had to come to a dead stop or you're coming in the horseshoes. Same thing at Sonoma. It was turn 11, turn six or turn five, whatever you want to call it. Depends on which course you're comparing it to. But needless to say, when you're going down to second or first year, uh, you know, is your only time to make passes, which to me is a little bit concerning because in at least the older NASCARs and I'm not trying to be, oh, the old NASCARs were better, you know, back in the Gen 4 days, but there was opportunities in turns four, you know, coming up the hill. It was very difficult in turns two and three to make passes. We used to see passes made there all the time, even though it's narrow. um And, and yeah, again, a lot of it has to do with the cars having a little bit more grip, carrying a lot more speed. They're not downshifting coming up that hill anymore. They're still in third gear. But the fact of the matter is, is that that to me is a little bit concerning because that sets the tone for the rest of our road course races this year. Because guess what that means for the Roval? That means that really at the Roval, your only big passing opportunities are going to be in the infield on those two hard right-hand corners. And really, I would say the the, the two little uh, chicanes they have, that that's really going to be your only passing opportunities at the Road America. I'm scared to actually see road America, road America, because let's be honest, outside of uh, the, the, the backstretch left-hander, or I should say the, 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 the Moraine sweep left-hander and the backstretch right-hander to come back up the hill to lead you up for, to eventually to start finish line. There's not many slow zones there. There's only two very reminiscent to what, I guess you could say Sonoma could be, but a longer racetrack. So, That's a little bit concerning because, again, I don't see many passing opportunities. And I think we learned a little bit more as a result of that. But, hey, we're going to see a couple tracks too. New Hampshire – Really good track for Kevin Harvick, I think, to get into the mix of being a winner. I still think Tyler Reddick is going to win a race in his regular season. I just think there's no way he can't. Two races he should have already won, both Auto Club and Bristol Dirt, and it just didn't turn out to be that way. And it's crazy to think, we have 10 races left in the regular season. If four of those races we have new winners, we're at 16. If we see five new winners in half of them, The win in your interim goes out. I, I thank God it goes out the window because I can't stand it. I can't stand it. But realistically, too, even if we just have four more winners, Eddie, what does it matter? Because the 16th position doesn't account for a winner. It really, if 15 guys win, they're in. If that 16th guy wins, it's not guaranteed if he's not the highest in points. So theoretically, and I say it like this, Ryan Blaney, could continue his run, be top three, top four in points, let's say, not win a race, he could still be your 16th guy in the playoffs based upon the rules. That's the fact of it. You know, he's not in the best of positions, but he's in position, if that makes sense, that if he stays above guys that have a win. And we're seeing, by the way, a lot of guys outside the top 20 now winning races. Danny Hamlin, of course, he's locked in. He has two wins. Uh, Austin Sindrick outside, Daniel Suarez, Kurt Busch, They're all outside the top 16 in points. So while it's good for them, they lock themselves in. You don't want to see new winners. And for the record, I think we're going to see some more repeat winners. I do think we'll see at least two or three more repeat winners. But when it's all set, I shouldn't say two or three, probably about four. But I would not be surprised if we see four or five new winners. And I really hope we do, because it's going to be so good for the sport. And the big thing, it's going to make the playoffs balanced. When's the last time in this playoff system we didn't see someone come in with a big advantage? Really, I'd say it was the first the first new play uh, the first round of the new playoff system where they didn't really have those big bonus point spreads that's the only time i can recall and it it turned out to be a pretty solid end and a run to a championship uh, for for a lot of these guys you know it was a good playoff story a lot of the playoff races had meaning not that these playoff races won't have meaning but the fact that there's a lack of spread of bonus points and a lot of opportunity it's going to make it interesting and i I think the end of this regular season it's going to be attention essentially two more plate races both atlanta and Tal. or excuse me day not Talladega, you know, still left in the mix as well. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And NASCAR in the summertime, it's going to be fun. I'm eager to see too about Pocono. How is Pocono? This could be a defining race for Pocono. You know, NASCAR last year really missed it with that package. There's, There's a lot of opportunity at that track to really get antsy with shifting. Shifting's always been a discussion, but you may have to talk about Double shifting in turn one, for example, utilizing things. And left rear tires, we we didn't have it last week because it's a road course. But my God, I'm confident someone will cut down a left rear tire at Pocono. So it's going to be a fun, fun rest of this regular season. And I hope, I hope it continues to stay balanced because this could be one of the best NASCAR playoff series to be because I can't even circle a driver as of the moment that I can say, wow, you're getting out in the round of 16 because really every driver shows up at different points throughout the season and the predicted balance that we expected to have at this point of where teams are going to start figuring it out and you're just start seeing constant, repetitive winners. We're not seeing that really. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, the, the, the one in 99 have found a lot of speed, but at the end of the day, they, they still, they've only won three races. That's, that's, you know, that's, that, that's not everything yet. So I'm eager to see what happens.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people thought, for example, Kyle Larson was going to go on like some Jimmy Johnson career arc and go on like some crazy run. He hasn't been that dominant. This past week was only a second stage win of the entire season. And, you know, when you look even just at the general points, avoiding the wins, the actual points, the fact that Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch are up there first and third, you would not think that those are two of the most consistent drivers this season. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even really realize that because it's been so balanced and, you know, JGR started to figure things out. Kyle Busch has been solid this year. Ever since about the beginning of May, Denny Hamlin has been one of the more consistent drivers in the series. Uh, I still have faith that Truex may turn things around and get to victory lane at some point before the regular season comes to an end, especially with some road courses on the way and Pocono, which is a solid track for him. But, you know, Truex, Blaney, I think is bound to get a win before the regular season comes to a close. I have a feeling Kevin Harvick, we're starting to see Harvick building together some solid runs. These older guys, it's taken them a while to adjust to the next-gen car. Denny Hamlin struggled at the beginning. He's starting to figure it out. Kyle Busch had a rough first couple of races. He's figured it out. Kurt Busch, he got that win at Kansas. He's been running better, you know, and I think Truex and Harvick are due, and I think they're going to start to shake things out And, of course, you expect Tyler Reddick. He's had so many chances to eventually be able to break through and get a win. He's been the favorite in multiple races before. It just hasn't been able to close it out. I think RCR is going to get a win before the regular season is over, whether it's Reddick or Austin Dillon. There's always, like, one random race every year that Austin Dillon does really good in. Same goes with Chris Busher. Unfortunately, I kind of feel like Sonoma was Chris Busher's opportunity to get to victory lane. But you never know with Busher, he'll surprise you like that random race at Homestead last year, where all of a sudden he was the fastest car on the track and won a stage until stage three at a bad pit stop. So you never know, but there's a long way to go in the regular season. And like you said, two plate trucks. You've got Daytona. You've got Atlanta, which is essentially a plate track this point. at this point. You have Bubba Wallace and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who have both had bad seasons, are two of the best plate drivers and two of the most aggressive drivers in the Cup Series that are trying to make up for the fact that they're outside the top 25 in points right now. So those are two people. And Justin Haley as well, someone who's you know, has a cup win at a plate track back in 2019 with Spire, you know, there's, there's so many ways that this can go over these next 10 races and really three road courses still in this regular season, plus the two pit plate tracks. You can argue five of these last 10 races are really wild cards because as we saw at Sonoma and Coda, the guys that were contending at the end weren't the ones you'd necessarily expect up there. At Coda, Alex Bowman being in the mix at the very end. At Sonoma, of course, Suarez, Bush, or Harvick being your top three for a good part of their late run. Michael McDowell running in the top five. You know, there's a lot of surprises and there's still a lot of spots up for grabs. So I'm going to be very curious to see how this all settles out over this summer stretch on NBC.
1: And I was just going to say this too. I just want to point out two more drivers that you can't get out. I mean, what a, what a showcasing moment, you know, that, at Sonoma for Michael McDowell I mean let's be honest I'm not saying that Michael McDowell I mean of course we know he can win a plate race but that honestly was a little bit promised for for me to see for them in the road course department because they really have talked about all year long where they feel like that's if it's not a plate track their best chance to win a race and they played the right strategy they were up there McDowell especially early on in that race had a lot of speed and while he didn't fade as bad in the long run you know the right opportunity, also I want to point out this for Chris Busher. Chris Busher, in very, very mythical school opportunities I was talking about this late last night. This is one of maybe two or three instances I can remember in the last 15 years where somebody got a penalty. And NASCAR actually overturned it. You know where where, where they they initially give the penalty, they sat back whatever and allowed him to keep his position, and then turned around and overturned it in the stage break transition. Uh, he had a fuel can penalty, of course. And the only near moment I can think of is Chase Elliott, which ultimately in Martinsville set him up for that championship run. Remember when he had the penalty for the man over the wall too soon? He turned around, the pit crew, uh, the pit uh, the pit crew member I believe it was a Jackman. Don't remember if it was a Jackman or a tire changer. But either way, reestablished himself and they turned out it wasn't a false start um but I don't want to count out Mikey I think he could still win a race um Eric Jones again I can't emphasize enough how surprising that team has been and there's a lot of good tracks for Eric Jones coming up too I know we've covered the fact that you know he's been a solid play track driver really good at tracks like Darlington and these intermediates I'm not saying he's the best in New Hampshire but there's a couple tracks where I could see him really getting the mix in late going, so I'm eager to see what he can. And, again, I don't want to undermine this either. Brad Keselowski has quietly been starting to get better, and I know he can't make it on points. He needs a win, but I cannot imagine a season – I don't care if it's Roush River or Brad Keselowski wins a dual race at a plate track and then doesn't win throughout the season. I think RFK is going to get a victory, but I think it's going to be Brad Keselowski, and I think it's going to come in the late portions of the season.
0: And let me wrap up the discussion with this. The next-gen car, while it might have its flaws at the short tracks, while the tires might still be of concern and some of the other car failures, when is the last time you can think of that there are 25 drivers you can realistically say have a chance week in and week out to win a Cup Series race? I mean, you, know, you think back to the early 2000s, that's really the last time you can compare to where you had this many guys on a weekly basis that have a legitimate chance to contend for a victory. And that's what we're seeing regardless of the racetrack. And there's always a new surprise there's always somebody up there you don't expect. Austin Dillon being in the top five and contending at Martinsville, looking like the second best car. Who saw that coming? I know Martinsville was a terrible race, but Austin Dillon was one of the fastest cars there. Daniel Suarez was not a great road course dra- driver in the past. All of a sudden, this season, runs well at Coda, gets the win at Sonoma. Chris Butcher finishing second at Sonoma. I mean, Just the surprises are endless. Eric Jones having chances this year. Suarez also back at Auto Club, nearly beating Kyle Larson in that race. So, you know, there's a lot of different things to consider here, and I'm really excited for what these next 10 weeks have to hold. But we also have to celebrate here on Sportspeak because tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of episode one. And now we are at episode 100, 100 episodes of Sportspeak. Obviously a shout out to Raheel and Zoe as well, who have been our regular contributors and fill-ins when me and Tim can't be here. We've had a slew of guests over these last 100 episodes and excited for what's to come over the next 100. I'm glad we're able to continue this. Obviously, me and Tim started this podcast two years ago during COVID, where there wasn't much going on in the sports world. And we wanted something to do. And we've been able to continue it even through these last, you know, two years and into now with the world getting back to normal. And it's been great that we've still been able to keep this podcast going. So, Tim, you know, it's been a fun first 100 episodes. I'm excited for what's to come.
1: Yeah, I'm excited definitely for what's to come. I mean, again, the fact that I think about two years ago, the fact that we were able to start this, and I, we had discussions about doing a couple of things at, uh, at the TV studio, uh, you know, uh, for doing shows that, that never turned out to be, but the fact that we were able to put something together, and I, I had a lot of fun with this, you know, do, doing stuff with broadcasting, of course, with you. And we, we, I, I love, too, going on uh, Reheals podcast sometimes as well, you know, just talking Yankees, you know, whatever. Reheals great. Same thing with Zoe, you know, bright future for both of them in this broadcast. The industry along with you and I, I'm just I'm just so happy you know to have a you know a good group around it's just enjoyable relaxed and listen we have great debates all the time about certain things yeah you know, there's some dull moments, there's some great moments, but at the end of the day, we're all family, we're all joyful. And I'm just so thankful for the fact that we're able to, you know, as a group, able to, to, to really put together, you know, some fun content week in, week out. I know there's some lapses sometimes for, hey, life goes on. That's life. Guess what? You know, but at the end of the day, you know, We've had a lot of fun moments. And uh, by the way, uh, I don't know if we're going to go into fun moments, but I, I still would argue I think my favorite moment now of all time, if you asked me last year, it would have probably – oh, goodness. I, I would say last year before episode 50 would have probably been our good debate about the Yankees when I went on the rant, especially yeah. during the pandemic. I think it's the Tim Tebow debate. I don't think anything beats the Tim Tebow debate, in my opinion. I think that's one of the best moments on Sportspeak of all time, where I don't think there was a single person not ticked off in the room, and every person was going at it for a good 15 minutes.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that's a classic one. I also enjoyed more recently this year when uh, we've broken some news on Sportspeak. For example, when I had you and Rahil on, and we found out that Juju was going to the Chiefs, or when I had Zoe on and at that exact time we found out Max Scherzer was three seconds after you said that Max Scherzer never gets hurt, all of a sudden he had like a, a hamstring pull. Yeah, that 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 was a classic as well. I also remember we had a good debate about Kyle Bush when uh, about where he ranks all time amongst NASCAR drivers, but We've got a lot more fun content to come this summer. I've got a couple exciting guests lined up, so stay tuned for that. And, you know, next show we'll probably get some more baseball. We'll have reactions to the NBA Finals, which will be wrapping up this week. But we'll talk about some baseball because, of course, Yankees and the Mets are currently the two best teams in the major leagues. Yankees number one, Mets number two right now record-wise. So stay tuned for that on episode 101. Of course, also our NASCAR Weekly Pick'Em. You can follow along on Twitter at Live. We got a week off from that because NASCAR is off. We'll be back with that next Sunday because NASCAR goes racing at Nashville to begin the second half of their season. And all episodes available on both YouTube and Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube, go to Spotify, search Sportspeak. add it to your playlist, add it to your favorite podcast. You can do all of that, but that's going to be it for episode 100. We hope you enjoyed. I'm Eddie Kolegi. And I'm Tim Moore. Signing off until next time here on Sportspeak.